It's time for the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com, breaking down District 1 and 2 athletics week in, week out in the great state of Idaho. My name is Brandon Bainey, and we are joined by our North Idaho resident and expert, Ryan Skaggs. What's up, Skaggs? It's recovering from a long night of trick-or-treat candy handing outing, so... <laughs> handing outing i don't think that's sure, a word right. but that's what it is now <laughs> that tells you how, how long of an evening it was uh yes. we had trick-or-treaters coming until like 8 30 so <laughs> yeah we uh so we are recording this on november 1st the day after halloween of course and your neighborhood was busy i i assume uh As knowing, always. knowing yeah. where you live uh and then where i live is kind of a newer uh development and so we didn't get as much foot traffic but we still got enough that we bought two bags of candy and we got through one so i looked at my wife and i said well i guess we're just gonna have to eat that second bag and she goes no we're putting it in the freezer and saving it for next year (laughs) (laughs) this is not like mine where you stick like leftover candy on top of the fridge and it sits there for a year but yeah yeah um out out of mine but yeah we bought three bags and we went through two of them last night so yeah, um, it wasn't as busy like typically years past, like when Halloween lands on like a Friday or Saturday, we'll get over 300 kids. Um, it's bananas. I mean, you're we I set up a, a fire pit in the front yard every year and I just sit out there in lawn chairs and hang out because oh, so cool. we have a split level house. So it's like I don't have to go up and down the stairs. So it's more to right. cure my laziness than it is to actually show that I have Halloween spirit. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I uh, I had the World Series on last night and I was kind of handing out candy in between watching that uh, best costume that you saw last night. Oh, man, there's some good. There was one funny one. It was like because of the confidence I can appreciate in the kid. He like showed up and my wife was like, oh, are you Moses? And he's like, no, I'm God. I was like, well then, okay. (laughs) Um, That one was, that was more on the funny factor, but um, I think the most well done, um, we had a a kid dress up as Maverick. That was pretty cool. Like, I mean, he went all out with the aviators and the, the air, you know, the jumpsuit and all that stuff. And like from Top Gun, that was pretty cool. He was probably like four or five years old. Um, For me, that, that was probably one of my favorites. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, the best one I saw was probably um, it was a middle school aged girl and she came and she had like a beard kind of drawn onto her face. And I was like, what are you? I'm like, what, what are you supposed to be? And she said, I'm Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> we did have like a six year old dressed as Ted Lasso. That one was pretty good, too. So <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, happy Halloween to everybody, and hopefully you're uh, coming down from that sugar high. Uh, Did you dress from... up at all? No, I don't know. I had a work function yesterday, so I dressed up, but uh, that was good old Gene Frankel from Blue Oyster Cult. Thank you, <laughs> <cowbell>, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, complete with uh, unbuttoned shirt and chest hair. Uh, yeah. sticking out i'm sure i didn't have the gut hanging out the bottom like will ferrell did in the skit but i had everything else going on like that the undersized henley and everything else yeah it was pretty legit <laughs> oh man that's funny all right <laughs> well uh so halloween's in the rear view mirror so are a a bevy of state championships for the fall sports season ryan we had state cross country and state volleyball last weekend in two totally different places let's start with cross country it took place at the portniff wellness complex in pocatello and you know, we're going we're gonna to raise our hands here and go, our bad. 
I don't think I don't think we've spent a single second talking about the Coeur d'Alene boys cross country team this year, right? Well, we did when they ran over in Montana and they won the. Oh, that's true. Over there. Man, okay, look at guy, yeah, yeah. So look at me we've, beating we've ourselves. Given them some love. I mean, we've talked yeah. about them a couple times, but not probably to the tune that they deserve with winning the state championship. But um, yeah, yeah. The, the Viking the Viking runners have been awesome this year. So they came into the state cross country meet ranked 10th, uh, top 10 in the country, uh, according to die stat, you know, they do the national rankings They're They're undefeated. They haven't lost an event this year that they've gone to and competed at. And, uh, they're continuing their undefeated season. They go and, and win the five, a state championship over what was a powerhouse Rocky mountain program. Um, Max Servi Skinner took sixth. Jacob King took eighth. Mitchell Rizzi took 10th, Lachlan May took 11th, and Zachary Servi Skinner took 16th. So your your top six all finish in the top 16, which is, yeah, that'll get it done. Yeah, that'll do it. And uh, the fact that they, I mean, they run on a pack so well, like you look at the timing and how they finish is that, you know, relying on one, one another for pacing and everything else on a, on a long course, that says a lot about that group to be able to um, not only finish in the top 16, but also finish in the top 16 within a few placings of each other. Um, being able to run at that clip, you know, continuously as a group is really impressive too. Like that'll, that'll, that'll win you a few state titles if you're able to do that. Yeah. So what's next? You know, we think of, oh, okay, you won state, the season's over. Not so fast. We have the Northwest regionals coming up. This is a, a meet where the, the truly elite teams go and compete. You know, we've seen some of the Boise schools do it over the years. Coeur d'Alene's going there to compete. Um, and there is a great chance that they win, win regionals. You know, it's going to come down to them and, and kind of a power from Oregon is kind of what it looks like. Um, but, and then there's a great chance that rock or uh Coeur d'Alene could, could qualify uh, from the, the Rocky mountain regional to, to the national competition, which would yeah. be just incredible. Uh, I can't wait if that happens. Yeah, no, that's a great job with that program. They've done a, they've done a phenomenal job. Um, you know, we look at them obviously during track season, you get to see like how well the distance runners do and the consistency there. But um, I think that goes unsung to where when you see them, you know, off the, the rubberized surface and you see them actually running a, you know the the cross-country course how impressive that group really is and the effort that it's been this year's hats off to the vikings for a uh they're not done yet that's the other part too is that you know they finished a great state season but they still got some more more meat on the bone so yeah. that's right uh end of november is when that uh northwest rocky mountain regional will take place and then uh, the national competition is in december um marlo herford will be writing kind of a recap of regionals and nationals if anybody gets there on idahosports.com so stay uh, on the lookout for that coverage coming later on this month uh let's shift now to state volleyball ryan uh the north hosted all six state tournaments four were held in district one and then the 1a d1 and d2 tournaments were held over in district two over in lewiston uh, i think the top story from north idaho is troy three peats the trojans are your three-time 1a d1 champs you know what it didn't come easy though great no, they this, got pushed hard this, <laughs> so so Ryan, we've talked about on some of our other prep casts, uh, Grace almost didn't make it to state to get to state because Grace and Butte County were two of the best teams in the state this year. They're both in the same district. Well, it's a three-team district, so only one team gets to go. They had to win 13 sets over three matches on one night at districts. They started playing at six. They didn't get over till past midnight. They were absolutely gassed. They had to come around and beat Butte County twice in a true double elimination tournament. They got it done. 
And I started thinking to myself as I'm watching Grace and Troy play, I'm like, they're going to do it again. They're going to go on this miracle run and do it again. Troy holds on um, and ends up getting the five-set victory over well, they Grace. Were down, they were down two sets to one at one point to, to Grace. So, I mean, hats off to, the, to Grace. That was a phenomenal effort. But, uh, yeah, I think that, you know, Troy started to wear him down. The battle of attrition took over, and Troy was able to clamp down and win those final two sets. But, yeah, phenomenal battle. Yeah, you're right. They were down 2-1. They won the fourth set, 25-16. And then that fifth set, 16-14. It was razor thin. Um, yeah. And and I think, you know, if Grace had won that first match and forced the, the decider, you know, the winner take all, I still would have thought Troy, you know, would have been able to calm down and, and regroup. But, man, I don't know. Momentum in volleyball is a weird thing. So I'm glad Troy was able to close it out and just get it done in the first match. Yeah. So. And, and that's, you know, we talk, we sing Grace's graces but uh you know with what troy was able to do this year in a phenomenal season and the teams that they took on too um you know we talked about it early on in the year playing up against some of the the bigger schools and bigger competition at some of their tournaments and how they were able to to battle against the larger schools i mean that's you know an amazing accomplishment to 3p in any sport is you know super incredibly difficult um you know and then you look towards you know next year can they get the four p you know and that's you know, something that what a group of, of girls on that team that if they can get, you know, that one, you know, for the extra finger and, and win a state championship every single year in high school, that's that's amazing. That's an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, that is that is a, that is quite a run. And I, I'll apologize. I was looking at last year's bracket, which was also a tight five set thriller with Grace. Um, it's same story. Grace got up th- two to one last year. Also, uh, this year they go up two one. Troy wins twenty five thirteen, and then fifteen eleven to close it out. I also wanted to give a shout out from the one eight D one tournament to Wallace. How about the miners taking fourth place? Skags yeah. playing on Saturday morning. What an accomplishment! No, that's an awesome. You know, we talked about it though. Is that you know not only can they play, but they can they can win some matches. And uh, you know they got things done, and the miners able to finish with a with a you know, podium finish per se at fourth place. That's a phenomenal accomplishment with that program and um, hats off to, to that group of girls and what they're able to accomplish. So um, yeah. And then we'll obviously talk about some of the other classifications too, but you know, I think the North showed up pretty well, um, you know, this weekend with what they were able to do at state volleyball, it was kind of the undertone. I know that state vol- or state football, you know, with the opening rounds gets a lot of the notoriety, but um, there was a lot of buzz around volleyball this weekend, and I think it was well-deserved. Yep. So congratulations there. Uh, so that was our one state champion from the North. But uh, if we go through the rest of the classifications, you know, Post Falls finishes top three at the 5A tournament. They fall just short of getting to the championship match. Congratulations to the Trojans on a great season. Yeah. No, they pushed Madison um, in that semifinal match, and then they fell on that one, and then they – ended up losing the Eagle in the, the chance to get the rematch. But, um, you know, third place is, is a heck of an accomplishment for that program. Um, you know, we looked at it that they were going to be one of the top teams most of the year. And then obviously losing in the district tournament, but coming back and getting, you know, some big wins. I think they beat Timberline in the first round. Um, you know, that was a great job by the Lady Trojans and a, and a great finish to get a top three finish is, is great at, at 5A volleyball. So Definitely. good job with them. Uh, we also had Lakeland take fourth at the 4A tournament. Um, at the 3A tournament, 
Bonner's Ferry almost got to Saturday morning. They lost in a, in a four set match to McCall Donnelly in the loser out uh, game on Friday. Um, at the 2A tournament, Kellogg went two and out as the number two seed, which I was pretty surprised by. And yeah. then at the 1A D2 tournament, uh, Deary and Kendrick were both seated lower. Deary goes two and out. Kendrick almost makes it to Saturday, but they just miss out losing to, to Mackey in a loser out uh, contest. But congrats to all of the teams that got yeah. to state and got to compete. Yeah, no, great seasons by all of the teams and, um, you know, represented well. I mean, I think Lakeland was one of the teams I talked about, like, you know, people were selling the Hawks short because the record didn't necessarily look like the best, but you're, you're going toe to toe with Coeur d'Alene and Lake city and, and Lewiston and um, post falls in your regular season schedule and playing some tough tournaments that Lakeland team was, was battle tested and uh, to get a top four finish when you have the likes of like Skyview in your bracket. I mean, that's, that's saying something. So Lakeland to get a, to get a top four finish. That's a, that's an awesome job by that, that Hawks group. Definitely. All right. Uh, let's uh, shift gears now to playoff football, Ryan. The first round took place this past week, and I thought we would start by highlighting um, the teams that won, and then we could talk a little bit about the teams that weren't so lucky and had their seasons come to an end. Does that sound like an okay way to divvy this up for you? Sounds perfect, because I'm okay. going to set the table for next week. <laughs> That's right. So, so I, I think we should start in Class 4A at a game you were at on Friday night, Sandpoint. The number six seed was yep. welcoming in the number 11 seeded Bonneville Bees, a Bonneville team that was coming in, missing a couple of key cogs uh, in, in the engine, as it were. Uh, Sandpoint wins 48 to nothing. Drew Lehman, 7 of 12, 237 yards and a touchdown to Max Frank. Frank had 139 yards receiving, 101 yards rushing with two touchdowns. Cody Brewster rushed for 177 yards and three touchdowns. And the thing is, all these impressive totals were put up on like, you know, single digit carries, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was insane. I was like, I was sitting there and I was in the booth and Abby was running camera, but I also had like the clock operator and we were talking at halftime. And I'm like, it seems like Sandpoint didn't get the ball very much. Well, I mean, they had drives, but they were literally two, three play drives. Like you just didn't see their offense on the field very much at all. Um, you know, and that was, you know, I think they only punted one time in the entire ball game. Um, so it just, that just says a lot about the efficiency of what Sandpoint was able to do offensively. Uh, Layman was great when he needed to be great. He delivered the ball right on target. I mean, it helps to have guys like Max Frank that you can deliver to. Um, I was super impressed. Cody Brewster ran the ball like a beast. Um, he was on, I had him and Max Frank tied for Idaho sports player of the game. Cause they both had three touchdowns apiece. but, um, I didn't get the full stat line cause I was one man banding it. And so I was trying, I tried to keep stats for about a quarter and it just got too overwhelming. But when I had the stat line, I was like, Max Frank was at 70 yards rushing in the first quarter. I was like, okay, this could be a game. <laughs> Um, and he had like one reception for 87 yards. So, you know, the, they had drives of like, I think it was 93, 87 and 82, uh, to open the game and, you know, to, to blank Bonneville and that rushing attack, I want to say overall for the game, Bonneville maybe had 25 yards rushing. Um, I don't know what the final total was. Um, but it was just, you know, an absolute standout performance from that entire standpoint team. Um, if they can play like that against Pokey, they've they've got a chance because they were very well balanced and uh, they were super effective running the ball. And even Lehman um, got himself, you know, in the game, in the running game, too, on a couple quarterback draws. He had to keep that defense honest. And he I mean, that that team, that was a balanced attack that we saw 
on Friday night. Yeah, and so let's talk about it. They're in the quarterfinals now. Uh, the number six seed Sandpoint. They will travel to the three seed Pocatello. This is a winnable game for Sandpoint, and and yeah. the big reason why Ryan is because Pocatello played last week inside Holt Arena, um, and so they had a uh, an easy time with Preston. Um, and they're like, okay, we like playing in Holt. We've got a lot of speedy athletes, and we're going to be in Holt again this week, right? No, they got squeezed out of Holt Arena. It was booked up by other teams. So this game will be played outside at Lookout Field at Pocatello High's outdoor field. Now it's turf, but weather-wise, inclement weather, uh, Sandpoint's used to that. And so I think mm -hmm. having the game be outside is a huge bonus for Sandpoint. You know, Sandpoint plays run-heavy teams really well, and that's something that we've seen in the last few years from them. But – uh you know, like you said, it's a winnable game. I, I, if I had to pick, you know, the game, like it's still a difficult pick because you got guys like, right, you know, Echo Hockett running back and like it's, you know, Pokey brings some athletes into that game. But uh, so does Sandpoint. I mean, Max Frank, nobody had an answer for him and it wasn't even close. If you want to try to shut the running game down, you know, and they you try to shut down that wing T look, they go back out in the spread and they're going to just absolutely shred you. Um, you know, they, they throw that bubble screen really well, but they block that thing insanely well too. That's the thing. I think that Sandpoint is, you know, I was talking to one of their assistant coaches and they're like, you know, we're better than we thought we were going to be this year. Um, because they're looking at next year and the year after, like we're going to be threats for state championships those years, uh, with the groups that they've got coming through, but it's just consistency more of the same from standpoint is just, they look a little different than they have in years past because we've seen them super, you know, heavy at running back or super heavy at quarterback to where they're just super balanced. Um, you know, I look at this, if standpoint could keep that offensive efficiency in place and they get, you know, three, four stops, I think they could realistically win this game. Absolutely. Yeah. And we know Pocatello wants to run the football, right? And echo Hawk, they're electrifying running back. He's been banged up most of the year, Ryan, and they kind of kept him on a pitch count. And they finally kind of let him unleash last week and he rushed for 204 yards and three touchdowns. Um, but I, I like this standpoint defense. I think this is the toughest game for me to call in, in this yep. uh, round quarterfinal round in the four, a playoffs. So standpoint went down there and won. it would not surprise me at all. I think officially, no Officially on the record, I'll say Pocatello, but I, I mean, a Sandpoint Nation, I'd love to be wrong and come back and say, hey, Bulldogs went down and did it. I, th I think the, the distance traveled might be tough, especially playing on a Friday instead of a Saturday. But outside of that, I think I think it's even Steven. So good luck to the Bulldogs. Seeing them play in the semifinals, man, we've grown accustomed to seeing that. And that I mean, we could see it again for the fourth year in a row. So why yes, not? <laughs> we sure have. Um Let's talk about Lakeland quickly. Lakeland was playing in the opening round. They had to travel to Twin Falls. They actually played pretty tough against a, a Bruins team that's pretty highly regarded. Uh, 28 to 12 was the final score. Lakeland's season comes to an end. Now, they fell behind 21 nothing, which was tough. A um, couple of turnovers, uh, and, and Twin Falls kind of built up this big lead and then kind of powered down, I think. But um, for Lakeland 18 yard touchdown run by Peyton Hillman sophomore quarterback 50 yard pick six by Roan Riley as well to cap the scoring for Lakeland and, and this was a team that just uh they had to throw the game plan out the window from like the very start of the season when uh Benson the projected starting quarterback goes out with an injury he never comes back and so I think this was a good experience for, for a young Hawks team and especially like Peyton Hillman like he's going to come back and be better bigger and stronger 
well that and they're not able to get their starting running back their bell cow back you know and, and lovey and like that's just you know you yeah. look at those those guys that the, the pieces that were missing it almost becomes like shoulda coulda woulda's that you know you're able to make the playoffs and you're missing your key cogs and you're still able to make it in um what would we look like if we were at full strength but um, obviously that's not the fact, but I think, you know, with the amount of youth, we saw them earlier in the year when they played post halls, how young that team is. I mean, they were throwing sophomores out there. They had, you know, dudes that were coming off the JV team and contributing that there's, there's some promise for that Lakeland team for, for next year, but, um, to, to go and compete with a, an upstart twin falls team, um, you know, that's a hats off for the effort. I mean, they, they really tried to make it close. It just couldn't overcome that gap from the turnovers at the beginning of the game and close things out. I think if they were able to probably limit those turnovers, we could be talking about a different finish, obviously. Yeah, it's just a tough way to go. They really uh, were behind the eight ball from the jump this year, but great job by coach uh, Mike Schroeder and the Lakeland Hawks. All right, next biggest win in the opening round, Ryan, I thought came at the class 1A D1 level where Kamii, you know, picks up a tidy 56 to 22 victory over Idaho City. You might look and go, boy, they gave up 22 points. It was all at the very end of the game. I mean, they garbage time. Yeah. They bank, <laughs> they bankrolled a 56 to nothing lead. And check out some of the stats here. You want to talk about uh, high efficiency usage? Connor Weddle, six carries, 144 yards, three touchdowns. Colton O'Kane, 10 carries, 117 yards, and a touchdown. David Clute, the quarterback, rushes for 75 yards and a touchdown, and he was four of six passing for 62 yards and a touchdown to Tug Lockrid. And, and this is the guy that is, I think, the best defensive player in eight-man football, and I think he could go hold his own in 11-man football as well. Porter Whipple, seven tackles, two sacks, and a fumble recovery. This is a Kamei team that is locked in, and I think the Cubs get to the semifinals. I do too. I really do. I look at this team, and they are – they're loaded for bear and not to the pun intended with the cub thing, but uh, no, you look at what they bring back. I mean, obviously played in the state championship game last year. We knew that they were going to come back and they were going to come back with a vengeance. And um, this is a team that, that realistically could make it back. I mean, I know that they had the hiccup earlier in the year to Logos. They're on the opposite side this year from Logos. I mean, they're on the side with Oakley and notice, I mean, if we get a Kamei Oakley semi game. That's a, I mean, that's a matchup that I think is winnable for, for Kamei. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be realistic to see an all-North final here. I mean, I know that there's a lot to be done with Logos. So they've got Murtaugh, which is a, a tough matchup in this round that we'll talk about. But, you know, if you want to look ahead and, and start doing some bracket spotting and stuff like that, this is a Kamei team that can make noise. And they've been there. They've got experience. They were banged up a little bit early in the year. They are back at full strength, and they flat flexed Friday night. Yeah, they look really, really good. So there's going to be an eight-man doubleheader inside the Kibbe Dome on Friday on IdahoSports.com. Myself and Garrison Hardy will be on the on the call for them at 1 o'clock. Kendrick is going to play Dietrich, and we'll get into the, that game in a little bit. Um, the second game at 4 o'clock is going to be Logos and Murtaugh, as you mentioned. And there was rumblings that, hey, it's going to be an eight-man triple-header inside the Kibbe Dome. And so they approach Kamii and say, hey, you guys want to play in the Dome? And Kamii's like, no, <laughs> we like playing. We like we like playing outside. We want to we want to we want to make Grace come up to us and play in the in the mud and the muck. And well, that adds an extra hour and a half to any travel too. If you play in Kamii versus playing in the Kibbe Dome, so right. I mean, smart move on Kamii if you want to play the mileage game. But yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, no, Cameo's like, let us play in the slop. We'll take it. Like, give it to us. <laughs> yes. So so Grace, Grace is a team that does a lot of similar things to Cameo. They like to run the ball. They've got a bevy of backs, Wyatt Cutler. Uh, but they, they took their quarterback who had been starting all year and moved him to wide receiver last week. And they started a sophomore at QB. I thought was an interesting move. Um it worked for them. I don't know what we'll see. Grace is weird. They they kind of like playing everything close to the vest. There's no film online of them anywhere. Stats are hard to find. They like being a mystery team, and they don't divulge much information, but I don't think it matters. I think Kamii lines up, especially after Kamii lost to Grace in the semifinals last year. I think there's a big motivation factor to get revenge, and I do like Kamii at home. Uh, that yeah, game is going to be Friday night, 6 o'clock in Kamii. Let's let's talk about the other team from the White Pine that's still playing, Ryan Logos. They are hosting Murtaugh inside the Kippy Dome. This is the three seed versus the six seed. This is Friday at four o'clock on IdahoSports.com. This Logos offense, we've both seen it this year outside. I can't wait. I can't wait to see Logos get inside on the on the turf and, and let it let it rip. Yeah, you get 70 degree weather inside on that turf. I mean you could see video game numbers like as far as if the, if the offense is clicking and they're rolling. I mean, we talk about Jack Driscoll and his arm, like the dude's almost rushed for a thousand yards this year too. I think he's got 945 yards on the ground. Um, so if that, yeah, fine. Load, load the secondary. He's going to run rough shot on you if you don't put anybody in the box. So um, this is a, a Logos team that they've got insane balance. And you know, that's the, the part about it is that you look at it and you're like, man, this is a team that, we know they can pass. They run the like hybrid air raid type system for eight man, but like, you know, they run the ball really, really efficiently too. So, you know, putting this game on turf and that defense pins their ear back, they go. I mean, they've been really, really good against some really, really good eight man teams. Um, and what they were able to do against Kamii earlier in the year, an offense that scored 56 against Idaho City. I think they kept what 22 points in the first matchup or something like that. Um, 14. I think they, 14. Yeah. They and one, and one of them. And one of yeah, them was on a kick. One of them was on a kickoff return. So really, they yeah. held them to like six. Yeah, I mean, they held Potlatch to under. Uh, I think it was under thirty in that game too. They Prairie was the same thing. Lapway was. This, I mean, you just run down the list. That defense has been just absolute nasty. Um, so I look at this game. This could be a bloodbath. It really could. I mean, I don't want to give Murtaugh and or give you know the other the opponent a bunch of uh, you know bulletin board material. Late. This, this Logos team is legit. I'm telling you right now for an eight man, I looked at them last year and I'm like, how is this team not in the playoffs? They were a year away and they were a year away for a reason. This, this group is deep. They are good. So I'm, yeah. I'm high on Logos, especially if they're playing inside. This is a team that I would not want to see on turf at all. I mean, it's a contrast in styles, right? Logos likes to spread it out and, and throw the ball and then run it with their quarterback. Murtaugh lines up in a wing tee, basically, and pounds it with Junior Benitez and Eli Merrick and the quarterback Sawyer Young rushed for, uh, you know, I think five touchdowns last week. Um Looking at the stats from last week for Murtaugh, they uh, Young, the quarterback, rushed for 221 yards and five touchdowns. Junior Benitez and Eli Merrick each rushed for 92 yards. Uh, Benitez has gone over 1,000 yards on the season. So, I mean, it's no mystery. Murtaugh's going to line it up and run the football. And if Logos yeah. can stop the run and control the time of possession and get Murtaugh behind early, that's going to cause the Red Devils yep. to have to adjust their game plan. So Logos has to get off to a fast start to put Murtaugh behind the eight ball. Yeah, if they get him behind the eight ball, they get a couple scores on them early. 
I mean, and you try to make a wing T team play from behind, is this thing gonna that's not how wing T teams are built. And I don't care if you're playing eight man or eleven man, you just it's you're not gonna keep up with a, a gunning offense that can score at will. If you know the one thing that, that Logos is gonna have to do, protect the ball. They're gonna have to protect the football and not have turnovers, but that's where Driscoll's been pretty good with his decision making this year. Um he's got he's a really efficient passer. So, you know, you look at you know, kind of tail the tape, I guess, going into your game, but is if they can keep the, the football out of the hands of, of Murtaugh as far as turnovers go, I mean, there's, they're going to score. Like, I think you kind of have to account for that. So can Murtaugh ball control and play defense with their offense? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting for sure. Um, so let's talk about Potlatch quickly as well. Their season came to an end with a first round road loss at Valley. They fell 30 to 16. Um, Potlatch got behind big and then tried to rally back in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jack Clark throws a 10-yard touchdown pass to Benton Breeze and then a 73-yard touchdown to Ben Johnson. They just they ran out of time. It's the classic, well, the game was five quarters. You know, Potlatch probably could have climbed that hill and, and gotten it done. Um, I think Potlatch was a team that was really fun to watch this year, and they they bring back a lot of Whereas Logos loses Jack Driscoll to graduation, they bring back the other skill guys, and Kamii loses some dudes to graduation. Um, Potlatch brings back quite a bit, and so I think the loggers are going to be right there in the mix again next season. I mean, they will, but realistically, you look at it too, is that the conference is changing a little bit next year too with the classification (laughs) change. So you could say, Potlatch, you're bringing back everybody, and then you get, but guess what? You're picking up Kamii, or you're picking up Kendrick. (laughs) I I forgot about about that <laughs> so, it's like you can say what you want but uh that that team you know 35 miles to the southeast from you is pretty darn good too so um yeah no Layton county is full of, of some talent right now if you look at who's there but um you know we, we'll talk about kendrick in a minute but paul Etch had a great season i thought that they i don't want to say surprise people but i think that they exceeded expectations um a little bit i thought that they probably could have got a little bit further in the playoffs um, you know, sometimes you just don't with that youth, you don't get that experience rolling into the first round that you may have with other lineups, um, you know, but like you look like you said next year, they could be loaded for bear and a and chance to to make some noise in the playoffs with all the, a lot of that talent coming back for the loggers. I mean, I know that you're picking up Kendrick in the conference, but you're still going to be able to have some success. I think that, you know, that team you could realistically see playing a couple weeks deep in the playoffs next year. Definitely. All right. Uh, the final classification where we had a winner in the first round, Ryan, was at class 3A. This was a game you and I were at on Saturday. It was the only Saturday game in the state. It was Timberlake hosting American Falls. Uh, Timberlake wins 69 to 27. Cooper Lenz rushes for 166 yards and two touchdowns. He was our IdahoSports.com player of the game. Vaughn Higgins rushes for 101 yards and three touchdowns. He also had a pick six on defense. Caius Tebby rushed for 63 yards and a touchdown. And Cole Meidinger threw for 76 yards and two touchdowns. Jacob Yetter caught both of those and had 34 yards receiving. This was a game, though, that was tight for a half and kind of into the third quarter. And then Timberlake finally pulled away and there's definitely some things that coach uh, Kelly Amos and and his staff can can correct this week and they're going to have to because now Timberlake goes to Sugar Salem to play the top seeded Diggers in a Saturday matchup at noon on idahosports.com they're going to play this game at Madison High School in Rexburg yeah you look at um 
that matchup and it's we saw them earlier in the year play each other you know Timberlake played them tough the score didn't indicate the the ability that Timberlake had in that game and the offense that they actually production they passed extremely well against Sugar they just couldn't find the end zone it was kind of a bend but don't break situation for the diggers in that game um Timberlake's extremely you know like they've got some seniors in there they have the explosive ability. I mean, especially with that running game, they can ball control with that running game, but they got to be explosive in the passing game and take a little bit better opportunities than we saw uh, this weekend. Because there was the chances. I mean, there was receivers that were open, and Meidinger just had a little bit too live of an arm and was overshooting his targets, um, which was something that we hadn't really seen this year um, other than this week. And so um, cleaning it up, they can't turn it over against Sugar. If they're going to have a chance, they cannot have a turnover. Um, we know Sugar is going to get their points. Timberlake's got to be able to convert when they get in the red zone. They were in the red zone. I went back and looked at the stats from that previous game. They were in the red zone five times without scores against Sugar. Um, you can't have that. If you're going to expect to be in a game against a really, really good and balanced Sugar Salem team, um, you're going to have to be able to make hay when you're, when you're down sniffing the goal line. Um, you're going to have to put some points on the board they're going to have to clean up the extra point game. Um, that's the one thing, too, that we noticed also. So, you know, if Sugar's going to be Sugar, Timberlake's got to be perfect. And I know that's asking a lot of a team to be perfect on any given week, but Timberlake's had a great season playing a tough schedule. Um, I think it's competitive for probably a good half in that ball game. Um I'd like to see Timberlake, if they can close things out and get some scores, they can make it interesting, but it would take a perfective game from them in order to to pull a shocking upset. Yeah, you're going to have to match sugar score for score, basically, and try to try to steal a possession somewhere. So good luck to Timberlake. They'll play on Saturday on IdahoSports.com. All right, now we're going to talk about first-round results, set classifications that had teams that fell, and then we can preview some teams had buys and things like that. So let's go up to 5A, Ryan, where post falls this was another game uh we had friday night on idahosports.com they hosted mountain view and you and i both kind of talked about it last week we said i don't i got a bad feeling here for post falls this is just a mountain view team that, that has done this time and again post falls came into the playoffs with not a ton of momentum i thought and they fall 24 to 14 they had a couple of critical turnovers um and they end up falling uh, Devin Burton rushes for 90 yards and a touchdown. Alex Shield scores on a three-yard reverse. Um, and so for the Trojans, you know, a promising season comes to a close. They finish six and four. Uh, tough way to fall at home in the playoffs. Yeah, and you look at it. I mean, I know that, you know, Tevin Burns was banged up coming into the game too. And so, you know, you, you knew that you were probably going to see a lot of, of Burton, which he was, a, he was a good running back. I mean, you and I saw him in that game against Lakeland. We're like, man, this kid can run too. It was like watching Burns backing up Bustamante last year. So, um, you know, there's there's going to be good hands for the future there. But this was a group. There's a lot of seniors in that lineup that, you know, they really hung their hat on and relied on. There's still some youth in that lineup too that they can, you know, they're going to be back at quarterback. They're going to be back at, you know, a lot of the key defensive secondary positions. They're going to lose guys like Cooper Craig and Dylan Wolf and stuff like that. But there's some guys that, that can still play that'll make their way into that lineup next year and be competitive. But I know Cooper Craig, uh, speaking of him, signed a letter of, an, or he he committed to Montana Tech yesterday. So awesome. con congrats to him and, and he signing up for a great team. Like you talk about an up and coming team in the NAI, NAI ranks at Montana Tech. They are doing great things there. So that's a great landing spot for Coop. So congrats to him. Um, but, you know, hats off for a great season. I mean, they were competitive in the, in the IEL and um, you know, they just, I, 
that draw was just tough getting Mountain View on the road on a Friday night when you're kind of banged up going into that game coming out. Of the, I know that they were banged up coming out of quarter lane. And I think that's why they didn't look as sharp against Lake city, but uh, yeah, it, it was just not the right draw in that game, but still doesn't short the season that the post falls had. Yeah. And I think it's a good reminder that, uh, you know, you can have a team win a conference championship, bring back almost everybody from that team, but you still got to go out and, and play the games and quarter lane got better from last year to this year, Lake city got better. And so uh, a good reminder that it doesn't always translate to, Oh, you're the defending champs and you bring back almost everybody. Yeah. Pencil it in. You're the champs again. Um, there are bumps in the road sometimes. And for yep. post falls, this will be a good lesson for those younger guys that, Hey, we got to go out and earn it. You know, we don't yeah. just show up and, and have it handed to us. So great season for post falls. It comes to an end at six and four quarter lane. Meanwhile, enjoyed a nice first round by skags. And now we've got a very juicy rematch happening here in the five, eight quarterfinals as Rocky mountain will travel to quarter lane Friday night, seven o'clock. You'll be on the call for idahosports.com these two teams played in the regular season rocky won 16 to nothing um, but that was a quarter lane team that was different that uh, jameson kazar was still playing quarterback caden simmons hadn't taken over yet so this is a totally different quarter lane team that rocky mountain is going to see well that was a team that was trying to figure out their identity on offense like you said with with a different quarterback different running scheme kind of too when they started the season they, you know, have come around. The one thing that quarter lane still has a little bit of a propensity is the turnover. They're going to have to protect the football Friday night if they're going to expect to come out of, with a win against Rocky because that's a Rocky team that feasts on defensive opportunity. They, they, they are loaded up front in the front seven. Uh, we know that quarter lane could struggle running ball, so it's going to come down. Maybe Caden Simmons at quarterback gunslinging a little bit. He's got targets out there. That's the thing that, you know, Kazar's moved out to tight end, kind of runs in that hybrid H-back slot position out there. He's been extremely effective in the passing game. He gives you a big target. He's like a 6'2", 6'3", kid. So he can stretch the field and get upfield on defenses. They've got other targets out there, too, that, you know, they're effective. I know that you had them in that Rigby game. Um, I think, can they be effective in the running game? They don't have to be dominant. They just have to keep Rocky honest in the running game. And if they can do that offensively, I think it opens up the passing game. And uh, we could see some fireworks. I mean, I realistically look at this game. It could be a 21-17 you know, type of game. Really, I mean, both defenses are great. Where that quarter lane defense we know is, is pretty elite too. They've been playing better down the stretch than I thought that they were at the beginning of the year, and that was saying a lot. So – you know, they've been feasting on turnovers. Their turnover ratio, state like statewide, I think they're second or first in turnover margin in 5A. So they get you the ball back. Um, can they can they do something with it on offense is going to be the question on Friday night. Yeah, and Rocky offensively, it's like a, they're just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. They play, they play four different quarterbacks, Ryan. Have you ever heard of that before? Other than having like a catastrophic injury? No, have not. Yeah, they, they go in every week with the game plan of we've got four kids that are going to play quarterback and they all do different things for us. And I don't know. Is that tough to game plan for? I guess. But man, I I think Coeur Lane is going to be able to hold serve here at home. I, this, this is a team. So we've gone the opposite directions where when they first met, Rocky had a pretty good idea of what their identity was. They had one kid that played quarterback the entire game. 
Yeah. And, and now it's like Coeur d'Alene's locked in and said, this is our identity. And Rocky goes, mm, we're not really sure what we want to do. We, we're going to yeah, play this kid and this kid. And I Number whoever's in, they're passing. Okay, we know what we need to do and adjust in our secondary. Okay, this kid comes in. They're going to be run heavy. It's like, yeah. I mean, you're kind of, I don't want to say tipping your hand there, but defensively, I mean, I just look at Coeur d'Alene. They've matured over the season, and they are absolutely, I mean, Shea Robertson is one of the best defensive players in the state of Idaho. And, you know, you look at the season he's having that I think he goes off on Friday night, too. I really do. Like, he's going to take over. He's a gamer. That's going to be a fun one to have. And, and Coach Etch and I will have that game on Friday, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a dandy of a ball game. That's right. You're going to have Brian Etchison on the call with uh, some color commentary, Ryan. That'll be a fun mm -hmm. listen on Friday night on IdahoSports.com, 7 o'clock kickoff. All right, 1AD2. Let's swing all the way back down the other direction here, and uh, let's talk about a couple of North Idaho teams that fell in the opening round of the 1AD2 playoffs. Um, Lewis County went down to Tri-Valley for that rematch of that crazy game that happened just a couple weeks ago where Tri-Valley won as time expired. Uh, the theme of the show is turnovers. Lewis County had a couple of turnovers that ultimately did them in. They fall by 10, 32 to 22. Uh, Lewis County led this game in the second quarter, 14 to six, but a couple of turnovers uh, and Tri-Valley converted those turnovers into touchdowns. And all of a sudden Tri-Valley led 26 to 14 at halftime. Um, Gage Crow scores three rushing touchdowns for the Eagles in the loss and Coach Monty Madrell, you know, summed it up and said, hey, you know, we have to tip our hat to the better team and we turned the ball over too much today. Yeah. And that's, you know, we we talked about the hype in the rematch coming back that we could have saw it be a back and forth affair swing the other way because it was so close the last time. Um, but yeah, like you said, turnovers, man, they they come back and they can haunt you and they haunt you sometimes in the worst way, especially if they're, they're leading to points the other direction. It's essentially like hitting the minus button on your score. So you know, to have turnovers go the other way and, and not be able to convert into points for yourself is just that's a big hole to dig. And that's just, you know, you saw it happen on the scoreboard. You just couldn't overcome your unsurmountable difference. So, yeah, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't negate a, a, a good season from Lewis County. So, I mean, that's a tough conference. Every game they were in was entertaining. I'll say that yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. they played a lot of close, fun games this year cool. uh, for sure. Look at next year. I mean, if you want to look ahead, too, to kind of break down for next year, I mean, you got Genesee coming down. You've got Deary. You've got Timberline. You've got your – I mean, that's that's a – you know, realistically, that's a pick em for who wins that conference coming out next year. So, um, you know, losing Kendrick is kind of a big deal, I think, for, for the 1AD2 opponent. I know that they're probably not going to miss the Tigers much. Um, but things get ultra competitive next year. So yeah, yeah, they're they're working out a trade where Kendrick is going to move up and Genesee is going to move down. So Genesee will join this this White Pine League next year, um, yep. and, and we'll see. It should be really interesting. Uh, up in District One, Clark Fork was hosting Garden Valley in the opening round of the playoffs. Right, and it was twenty-one to fourteen at halftime. And I started calling them the Cardiac Cats because they just always seem to, when their backs are against the wall, that's when they come out and and produce. They fell behind twenty-one nothing. Um, they got it to 21-14 at halftime, including uh, a touchdown pass from Ethan Howard to Chase San Roman with no time on the clock right before halftime. They, they scored on a long pass. And so we got to halftime, and I'm like, all right, 21-14. Let's settle in. And the final score ended up being uh, 54-36. <laughs> I was like, how did this happen? Uh, just the amount of points that were scored in the second half. Garden Valley, you have to tip your hat to them. They recovered an onside kick. 
They had a fourth and goal from the 20 that they converted with a touchdown pass. Um, really Clark Fork played as well as they possibly could have. They just gave up a couple of big plays. And then the real backbreaker was Clark Fork had just scored to cut it to, I think two scores. They went for an onside kick, trying to give garden Valley a taste of their own medicine. Max Yearsley returns at 55 yards for a touchdown. Um, <laughs> and that, and that was just kind of the night it was for Clark Fork, but man, what a fun team that was to cover this year. We did three Clark Fork games this year on IdahoSports.com, and we would love to do more next season. Um, they finished with a final record of four and four and second year in a row that they've been in the playoffs. So that was a huge uh, season for them, even though they, they fell in the first round. Yeah. And that's a momentum builder. I mean, we talked about it last year, being able to make the playoffs again and host a playoff game for the first time. And I don't know if it was ever um, or forever, but um, the fact that they made it there and there's some momentum building around that program and in a conference that next year, I mean, obviously everybody's in the same level. Um, it's going to be, uh, I mean, it's a competitive league. It really is. It's turning into one of the better leagues, I think, top to bottom, um, as far as competition goes with, you know, Mullen, you're just being able to do what they've done. And then, you know, you look at Clark Fork being there, Lakeside has been up. Um, I mean, I'd love to see Kootenai eventually turn things around and, and really make that a, a nice little run in the conference. But, um, you know, it, you do what you can do in 1AD2 football week to week, and Clark Fork's been, been able to keep guys in the game and it hasn't been the same lineup every week but they've been an exciting team to watch and they are like a cardiac kids that i don't want to say they you know in your game they slept walk kind of through the first half a little bit i think and then both teams woke up and like oh we're actually playing a football game we're gonna actually start executing and that's what you saw in the second half of that game but um great job by the wampus cats once again i mean to make it to the playoffs is a big deal um, in any conference. And that's something that, you know, they earned their way in. They, they did it the hard way, um, getting, you know, winning their way into the bracket. So um, obviously they didn't get a play in the second weekend, but they're, they're building something up there that I think, you know, for the future is going to be really bright. Definitely. So congratulations to Clark Fork on a great season. So who's left in the 1AD2 playoffs? Well, Kendrick and Mullen St. Regis. They were the two district champions. They both got first round buys. Uh, Kendrick is going to host Dietrich uh, in the Kibbe Dome Friday, one o'clock kickoff on IdahoSports.com. Uh, this isn't the team I think people were expecting Kendrick to face uh, because Dietrich went to the District 3 champion council in the opening round last Thursday, Skaggs. And they smacked the Lumberjacks around 50 to 28. They forced a flurry of turnovers. They were extremely efficient on offense. And so here we go. A, a championship rematch from a year ago this year in the quarterfinals, Dietrich and Kendrick. And Dietrich is a sneaky team indoors. This is going to be, I think, a more interesting game than people are building it up to be. You know, like it's going to be, it's always a test because we look at Kendrick last year. I mean, I don't want to compare year to year, but you know, how dominant they were. And then Dietrich gave him fits and then Kendrick closed him out late um, in that one. I think it's going to be real. The first half could be competitive. Um, I think that this, the talent level difference though is going to be pretty drastic. Um, you look at who Dietrich brought back from last year's, you know, team that played in the state championship to this year, there's still some guys back. Um, but, you know, guess what? Kendrick brought back almost everybody. So, um, and then you look at, you know, some of the younger guys have gotten better too, and they've been getting contributors from, you know, Nathan Twite and, you know, guys like that, that you're going to be handing the keys off to Nathan next year at quarterback very likely. And you're not going to miss a beat. Um, that's a, he's played a ton at quarterback cause they've had to play backups cause they get running clock on team at halftime. So, you know, it's like, 
the battle of attrition, I think, is if you can push Kendrick a little bit in the first half, get keep it within a possession or two um, going into the second half, you give yourself a chance because I don't think Kendrick's been there much. I mean, we know about the the Oakley game. You know, that there was a test there. That other than that, like Kendrick really hasn't been pushed much this year. Um, so what can you do? I mean, I think you have to go out there and smack him in the mouth right off the bat. I mean, you have to throw a haymaker, get a get a special team score. You're going to have to probably get a turnover and a score off of it and ball control. Just give them, make them have fits to where they're going to have to start throwing the kitchen sink at you defensively to get you off the field. Um, and I don't want to give away, you know, Coach Hobart's game plan or anything like that because, one, I don't know it. But I just know if, the, if I was going to coach against that team, that's exactly how I do it. I'd come out and try to smack them right, right off the bat. But Kendrick is so dang deep. Um, they are so disciplined. They've got a you know a coach on the field at quarterback. Um, you know Ty Kep is as good as it gets. I don't care at any classification. I would take him as my signal caller. Um, if I'm a five A school or a one A D two school, I would I would take him. He'd be you know first off the bench. I'd pick him at QB because all that kid does is win. Um, you know, and you got the the class around him of athletes. That's just a special group. I think Kendrick wins. I think they win big going away late. Um, but I think Dietrich can keep it close in the first half. I do. Yep. It's going uh, to be for Dietrich to win. They're going to have to do the same thing they did last week, which is force a couple of turnovers and convert those into scores. And just Kendrick just doesn't turn the ball over that much. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting. The other game, uh, Ryan Mullen St. Regis will host Hagerman. Uh, Hagerman shut out Mackey 70 to nothing in the opening round of the playoffs last week. Um, they will make the long trip to Mullen on Saturday for a one o'clock kickoff. This is a game you and I will be on the call for on idahosports.com and um basically hagerman's going to come in and they, they want to be smash mouth they love running the football they pride themselves on their physicality ken mullen st regis answered the call is going to be the big key you know and it's you, you talk about the teams being able to run the ball but the thing that that hangerman does really well is they're they score explosively with the running game you know they're getting runs of 50 60 yards on their runs um that's that you know, it's not they do a lot of methodical drives too, but they they get some breakaways. I've asked around a little bit in regard to this game. Um, I've got some thoughts on like what could happen. I think Bowen St. Regis keeps it tight just because they've got some good athletes. Um, you know, if we have to pick them, which we do for our pick six this week. Um, this was one I like you have to give me a game I'm calling to pick, and I'm gonna be like the unpopular guy walking <laughs> into the stadium because I did pick against uh against Bowen St. Regis this week, but uh yeah. You know, I think that that's just a that's a tall task. That's a deep team that's got a really explosive offense with a lot of efficiency. They just don't turn the ball over much, and they control the game uh, very well. Um, does Hagerman? So that's a that's going to be a tough one for for Mullen. I think Mullen can make it tough, especially if they get some turnover, or get a couple turnovers, maybe get points off of those or points in the, in the special teams. Is how you're going to be able to get a recipe for success on Saturday. Yeah, and so for Mullen St. Regis, you know, they are starting a freshman quarterback, Connor Lewis. Uh, he is the nephew of Jesse Allen, the St. Regis coach, right? So this is the co-op between Mullen and St. Regis. A lot of the kids are from St. Regis. That that Mullen side of kids is is dwindling for sure. Yeah. And there's This is a t- off-season topic, but what happens to this co-op? It's going to be very interesting. I've heard a couple of things that um, w- would be interesting. So I just want to see yep. this, this co-op, you know, this season ride as long as they can, but it, they are 
going to play a very tough physical Hagerman team. And those D linemen, you know, I'm looking at Josh Houston. I'm looking at Blake Knoll, you know, the big nose tackle. He's going to have to bring his lunch pail and, and get it done um, if Mullen St. Regis wants to win this game. So it should be an interesting matchup for sure. Yep. And then finally, 2A uh, Skaggs, our only team from North Idaho is Grangeville. They didn't play last week. They had a first-round bye, and they now have the, the pleasure of traveling to the number one seed, Declo, on Saturday, 1 o'clock kickoff on IdahoSports.com. That's 1 o'clock Mountain Time, 12 Pacific, on IdahoSports.com. Hey, Grangeville comes in with, with no pressure, right? Declo is the team that's undefeated. Everybody's expecting to go on a deep run. Grangeville can just show up and play their game and see what happens. Yeah, they're going to be – I think this is the kind of game that you go in and, you know, you could see a first drive trick play. You, you're going to have to throw some wrenches out there that they Declo hasn't prepared for. I think that you're going to have to probably catch them sleepwalking a little bit if you're going to make this game competitive. I think, um, you know, realistically, just athlete on athlete, Declo's lineup – I know games aren't played on paper, but that, that lineup Declo's got, they are a tough, deep group. Um, that's a, that's a huge ask of Grangeville, Grangeville, you know, congrats on getting that first round by for winning the, the conference championship, but it didn't do you any favors in seeding. Um, you know, you're going to have to meet them eventually. So if I'm Grangeville, you take shots and you take them early, um, try to see if you can get a, maybe a backbreaker turnover or something like that and try to keep it close. But that's a, that's a big ask with a, a great team in Declo and having to hit the road to take them on. Yep, we'll see if the Bulldogs can get it done. The Road Warriors, good luck on Saturday, 1 o'clock on IdahoSports.com. All right, well, that was another heavy-loaded edition of uh, the North Idaho Prep Cast. As, as, the, as the field winnows, Skaggs, so will the, uh, the length in our episodes until we yes, get into the winter we'll sports season. less to talk about at least for a couple of weeks, but yeah. So hopefully good luck to all the teams up north and you give us more to talk about next week. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, the North could represent pretty well this weekend. We could see some some shocking results. I mean, I'm looking at Sandpoint possibly getting the upset there. So, yeah, other than that, until next week, I'm I'm ready to rock and roll for Friday night with Coeur d'Alene and, and uh, Rocky Mountain. Yes, and for the second week in a row, we will be covering 17 games statewide. There's 24 total. We're covering 17 of the 24. That's pretty darn good. Uh, you can see the full list of games we're broadcasting by clicking on the Game Streams tab on the homepage at idahosports.com. All right, thanks for tuning into the North Idaho PrepCast, everybody. For Ryan Skaggs, I'm Brandon Bainey, and we'll see you next time on idahosports.com.